Amen. And it is wonderful to be in church on a Wednesday night. Amen. God is here in the house. And I want to hear from the Lord tonight. Mark chapter 10, verse number 17. When you have it, say amen. All right. We'll wait another moment longer. And, and uh, we want the Lord to have his way here tonight. Amen. Mark chapter 10, verse number 17. And it reads like this. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, the Bible says. Jesus loved this rich young ruler and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Amen. One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. I'm going to read just a few more verses, and I thank you for standing with me tonight for the reading of the word. And Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, Lo, we have left all, and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren, sisters and mothers and children, and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. And just for a few moments tonight, amen, I want to preach on this subject Young, rich, and powerful, but still lacking. Young, rich, and powerful, but still lacking. Would you help me pray tonight that God would speak to us tonight. God, we thank you for the word of the Lord that we hold in our hands tonight. We thank you for the, uh, the truth that comes from your word, God. And it is the truth, Lord, that sets men free. And you said in your word, if the Son therefore shall make you free... We shall be free indeed tonight. God, I pray, Lord, for the liberating aspect, the liberating side of the gospel tonight, Lord. I pray, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to be upon my lips of clay and to be upon every heart 
and every mind to be receptive to your word. We give you glory and honor. And everyone said, in Jesus' name. Come on, everyone say in Jesus' name. Jesus. Come on, would you shout Jesus tonight? Jesus. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Amen. We're, well, let's have some fun tonight. Amen. Don't, don't be quiet on me. Amen. Uh, is, this is a story we read in the Gospels. It actually is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, and it's told a little bit differently each time in the Gospels. Uh, but the way that Mark encapsulates the story, amen, he adds some details that I think are worth noting tonight. Uh, the, we begin to have a picture painted in our minds of this rich young ruler as the Bible uh, describes him in scriptures. Uh, we see the, uh, that descriptor uh, given in Matthew and, in, and uh, Luke, I believe it is. Uh, letting us know that this young man was a rich, young ruler. Uh, the Bible gives us some descriptors in, the, in, in verse 17. And it says, there came one running and kneeled to him. Amen. This was a young man full of life and full of zeal and energy and, and life that he had. Uh, and these are some of the things that he had in his favor. He was a zealous young man, if you will. Uh, and, and he had energy and he had excitement. He was excited about the fact that Jesus showed up in his life on this particular day. And, and there are many good qualities and characteristics that we read about the rich young ruler. The, the, zealous, that he, the zealous spirit, the passion that he had uh, for God to, to, to please the Lord. Uh, the humility that he had, the Bible says, when he when he saw Jesus, he ran to where he was. And Mark says he kneeled to him. He he showed humility. He showed uh, that he was under authority. He he showed that he was he had a humble spirit, and he was not afraid to humble himself before the Master that day. He was he had youthfulness on his side. This particular individual had a lot of things in his favor and going for him. Uh, he was uh, he was wealthy. In fact, the Bible said he had many riches. He was very, very wealthy, so much so to the fact that he was not willing to let any of it go because there was so much of it. And he, the Bible doesn't even stop with those descriptors, but it adds another one. It says he also was a ruler. He was a person of influence and of power. This was a this was a young man that had a lot of things going for him, a lot of things in his favor. He was a rich young ruler that was humble, that was zealous for the things of God, and he had a good heart. He was a good person, a, a good young man. By the worldly standards, we would look at this particular young person and say, "Well, that person surely God's going to let into heaven because he's." He's got all of these things. He's he's uh, a man of influence and power, and he's he's humble about it, and he's excited about the Lord, and and he's doing good things. And the Bible says that when the Lord when the Lord told him, uh, "Don't commit adultery, uh, don't kill, don't steal, don't don't lie on people, honor your father and mother," he says, "I've done all those things. I've been obedient to those." Those commandments, I've obeyed the, the last five of the, of the Ten Commandments. I'm a good person. 
Uh, but I, but I cannot tell you tonight that there was still something in the back of this young person's mind that he, he, he could not shake. It was a feeling that he had on the inside. And it said, even though I've got all of these things in my favor, even though I'm a good person and I've got influence and I'm using for the right things and I'm zealous for the things of God and I'm humble and I've got all of these good qualities, qualities and characteristics in the back of this person's mind. He could shake the fact that there's got to be something more than all of these things. There's still something that I'm lacking today. I'm talking about the rich, young, and powerful, but still lacking. And the thing that he was lacking was the thing that was of most importance. The thing that this this rich young ruler was lacking was uh, it had the most importance in all of his life. Amen. But the problem was is this rich young ruler could not. He was not able to discern what was more important. The things of this world or the things of God. And so he was blinded by uh, material things and earthly possessions. He was blinded by all of the things that he had at his disposal. And he thought for that moment in time that that was the most important thing. was holding on to that thing that he worked for all of his life. But I want to tell somebody today, amen, there's a rich young ruler in hell tonight uh, that's lifting up their voice and, and crying out to this church tonight. And it's, uh, he's saying tonight, you've got to understand, amen, what is most important in life. It's not power. It's not influence. It's not money. It's not the good looks. It's not being good. But the most important thing is doing exactly what Jesus wants you to do. The most important thing in this world is not getting the promotion of your job. The most important thing is not finding a husband or finding a wife or finding something of material possession. But the most important thing is pleasing him. Is doing the will of God. Doing God's perfect will. You can have all the things that life has to offer. And still be lacking. And still have that emptiness in your soul. The rich young ruler incorrectly assumed that his good works would get him eternal life. He had some incorrect assumptions about life, Sister Felicia. He thought that if I'll just be a good person, then then that'll be just fine. But uh, as he lived his life, his short life, and he was uh, doing good things, he couldn't shake the fact that there's something that I'm not that I'm not getting a hold of. There's something that I'm missing tonight. Amen. I want to tell somebody in this place, Amen. What we've got in this house is a pearl. great price. Amen. We've got something that is of eternal value and eternal importance tonight. Hallelujah. I wish I had somebody that believed that. Hallelujah. I wish somebody still got excited about the gospel message and the cross and the things that God's done in your life. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus listed in verse number 19. He listed the five commandments from the second table of stone. 
which were apparently easier to keep than the first five. Because the first five would tell you that love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And who's, who can really judge if you love him with all your heart? Selling out and following Jesus would have demonstrated a complete love for God. If this young ruler would have, would have sold out like the, like the Lord told him to sell all of his possessions and follow Jesus, it would have demonstrated his love, a complete love for God, which was the first commandment. There's people that have graced the doors of our church through the years, and they've said, well, I love the Lord with all my heart. And, and, uh, and the Bible says that Jesus had this encounter in the Gospels uh, where he said, uh, uh, if, if you love him, amen, you're going to keep his commandments. And so uh, you look at a person's life and says, well, I love the Lord with all of my heart. But their lifestyle shows a completely different picture. Their lifestyle shows that, in fact, they do not love the Lord, but they love themselves. And they love pleasure more than the things of God. Amen. If you are in this house tonight and you say, I, I love Jesus with all of my heart, then may it be that your lifestyle backs up the way that you profess your love for Him. Amen. The scripture still says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. With all thy heart. For the love of God produces the love of your neighbor. A true love for God. A true love for him will produce a love for your neighbor that sits on the chair next to you. And he who loveth, loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? In the scriptures we read here in the book of Mark, Jesus said if, uh, in answering his question, I think it's actually in another uh, gospel here, uh, it says, if thou, he says, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast. If thou wilt be complete, if you're going to reach your goal, then there's got to be some things you part ways with. If you're going to live for God, there's going to be some relationships you walk away from. That's right. Come on. Come on. As hard as it is. If you're going to live for God, there's going to be some jobs you walk away from because they're going to send you to hell if they keep me out of church. If you're going to live for God, there's going to be some things you say no to because I can't get through that door into heaven if I got all this junk on my back and all my shoulders. If you're going to live for God, there's going to be times in your life when you've got to walk away from relationships. You've got to walk away from jobs. You've got to part ways with even family sometimes. It doesn't want to go the way you're wanting to go. Sometimes living for God is a lonely road. But it's the right thing. Amen. You've got to be able to walk alone with Jesus if you want to make it to heaven. You've got to be able, amen, to, to walk away from stuff and begin to prioritize what's important in my life. Yes. If you're going to be perfect, if you're going to be whole, if you're going to be complete... There's going to be some things you part ways with and you get rid of. You're going to have to part ways with the, the old music that you used to listen to. you got to begin to part ways with, with the old friends that you used to party with and you used to hang with. Them. And they may say, well, I thought we were friends. I thought we were true blue. I thought we were, you know, we, we were, it was blood in, blood out. Whatever the situation is, 
I thought we were we were committed. You know what? I'm going to live for God. And now I realize what is the most important thing in my life. The most important thing in my life is am I right with Jesus? Am I on my way to heaven? Am I going the right direction? Amen. Everything else becomes secondary. Everything else becomes of less importance. Verse 21 says that Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Jesus loved and respected this young man. His desire to please the Lord. His desire to live a good life in all that he had done. But following after Jesus requires absolute commitment. This is the part where a lot of people get it wrong. They think, well, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to live for God. But I can keep living the way that I'm living. I can hold on to the things I used to hold on to in, in my old life. I can keep uh, dating my old boyfriend, dating my old girlfriend that doesn't want to live for God. I can keep listening to my old music. I can keep uh, doing the things I used to do and take that with me. That's not how it works. It takes absolute commitment living for God. I'll always remember my, my parents' story. Amen. And when my mother found the Lord and my mother and father were dating at the time and they were not living for the Lord. Uh, but the day came when my mom came to church and she got baptized in Jesus name. She got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoken of the tongues as the spirit gave her the ability. And she made the call to my dad and told him what had happened. and She was going to break up with him because she was going to live for God. Living for the Lord takes absolute commitment. I'm going to live for God. No matter who comes or who goes, I'm going all the way living for the Lord. Uh, a, a man that has since passed on that I, my brother and I and my family have known, uh, his name was Brother Ken Pompliano. And uh, he was uh, a very influential man in, in the first church of San Jose and, and, and influential in a lot of young men's lives and uh, Always willing to give counsel. And he would always try to say things that were sound controversial. He would try to say things to kind of get you. And he would say how uh, one of the things he asked you, uh, those that were married, he would say, in your marriage, what's your uh, commitment like? Is it 50 percent? Is it a, is it 25 percent? Uh, your commitment level in your relationship with your spouse and and. Being a little bit naive uh, and thinking a traditional way, I would say, well, 50%, it's 50-50. I got to pull halfway and she's got to pull halfway. And he would look at me and say, no, no, it's 100%. You've got 100% responsibility to make that marriage work. You don't have 50% responsibility to make that marriage work. He, 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 would, he would tell me, you, you've got, as a husband, you've got to do everything in your power to make that marriage work. You can't ever sit back and say, well, I tried. I I met her halfway and she didn't meet me the other halfway. You've got to go 100% all in if you're going to see that marriage successful. And he he told me that about my marriage that I was uh, and while I I was uh, newly married. uh, And he gave me that illustration and and I began to think about it. And, And there's also, if you will, another side to that. Uh, in your commitment to the, the church and the kingdom of God. You say, well, I, I'm just, uh, as long as I just kind of show up, that's all I've got to do. 
as long as I just uh, give my tithe, I'm, I'm good. I've freed my conscience. Uh, uh, as long as I just do a little bit, I expect the church to do everything else. Amen. But can I tell someone tonight that you, each and every one of us, have 100% responsibility for the church. You've got to be invested. You've got to be. Uh, you've got to buy into the the vision. You've got to buy into the uh, the plan of God right here in Lathrop. Nobody's going to be able to sit back. And a lot of people want to sit back and and they want to be they want to be relegated to the sideline and say, well, you know what? I was there and, and I I showed up and, and that just church ain't just the church just ain't going nowhere. Ain't nothing happening there. And you ask them, well, did you come early for prayer? No, not really. Uh, I thought somebody else had to do that. I thought that was a pastor's responsibility. Well, did you pay your tithe and give your offering? Well, you know, I gave a little bit, but I, I didn't want to give all. Uh, and so the the church suffered financially, and and, and we began make excuses and think, well, you know what? I don't have to do all that God's asking me. I, as long as it's 25% on my behalf. And God say, no, no, no. You've got it all wrong. I want 100% commitment from every person in this house tonight. Amen. Jesus told the rich young ruler, sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. And follow me. 100% commitment the kingdom of God. 100% commitment to serving God, to advancing the kingdom of God. And God is still looking tonight for people that sell out and say, God, I'm all in. I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to see ALC later go forward in revival. Hallelujah. And the fact of the matter is, is we've got too many people, amen, even tonight, amen, that uh, they, they want everybody else to do the work. And then they're, they're saying, well, as long as I do my 10%, uh, that's all I've got to do. Amen. God, his word says, love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart and with all of thy soul and with all of thy might. God is still looking for people that will be committed to him no matter the cost. He's still looking for people that will be committed to him no matter the cost. And we can talk in generalities and we can also talk in specifics tonight. We can talk about a Sunday morning service. When you're tired, we can talk about a a Wednesday night service when you've been working all day and you're exhausted. You say, well, I'm just not going to go to church. Because the Lord understands. I've got a lot of homework. I've got tests. I'm not putting that on the students because I, I, I take the occasional class and I know what that's like. Brother Paul knows what that's like. I got tests. I got homework. I got finals. So the Lord understands. How would it be in a marriage relationship again? You said, well, baby... I'm just going to stay away for a few days. I got some things I got to take care of. She said, well, I thought we were married. I thought we had a relationship. I know, but I got some other things that are a little bit more important right now. I I just got to take some time and get this hotel room here and have some space. And and, and you say, well, you know, I got issues in my life. You know, it takes commitment to live, to have a successful marriage. It takes commitment to have a church that is going to be successful. I want this church to grow. You want this church to grow. 
We all want to see God give revival. We want to see this place filled with people. But the fact of the matter is that it takes everybody, amen, being fully committed, saying, Pastor, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll show up to prayer if that's what it takes. Amen. I'll be faithful to church if that's what it takes. But whatever it takes, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And God is still looking for people tonight that say whatever it takes, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to give. I'm willing to spend. I'm willing to be used by the Lord that there might be an apostolic revival church here in Lathrop. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm committed until it's hard. Then I'll take a break, Pastor. I'm committed until it's a little get, it gets difficult. Then, excuse me while I sit out this one here, Pastor. I'm committed to having an apostolic revival church where folks receive the Holy Ghost and people are baptized. But don't ask me to pray that altar, Pastor, because i got other things I want to do. I'm committed to having a revival church. I'm committed to doing things of God. But don't ask me to come to Monday night prayer meeting. I'm committed, amen, to seeing, amen, the lost found and reaching the lost. But don't ask me, Pastor, to take a one a day home and invite somebody to church. Don't ask me, Pastor, to show up to the outreach. I'm committed unless it's not convenient. Don't ask me. And that's what this rich young ruler, that's his attitude. I'm committed. Unless you ask a little bit much. Then I'll just put my head down, hands in my pockets, and I'll just kind of walk away. With embarrassment and shame. I'm committed. But don't ask me to go the extra mile. Every large Truly apostolic church has been built on the backs of people that have been fully committed. Right. I've been around this all my life, living for the Lord. I've seen some of the larger churches in our, our movement. And I've heard testimonies and stories of what it was like as they were building that church from the ground up. And there are many testimonies I can still recall, even just down the road in Stockton, down the freeway in San Jose and across state lines in Arkansas and other churches that I've heard about that the people. I have a friend. I have a friend that his dad was a contractor, had a beautiful house in the country uh, there in Stockton. And they were making good money. And they had a revival. I think it was a revival or a special uh, service where they began to talk about giving and making sacrifices for the Lord. And I remember going to my friend's house when I was a kid and having a good time in their big country estate they had out there in Stockton. And then I remember the day when they didn't have that house no more. And they sold their big, beautiful house in Stockton and gave all the proceeds to the church. And they moved into a small, I think it was a three-bedroom apartment in Lodi. I remember that. I thought, wow, those people are, they're my friends, but that's crazy. 
But then I've watched through the years as God blessed them. And God gave back to them. And they built a bigger house in the country. And the last one was better than the first one. I, I've, I've told you my testimony. I, not just with finances. That's not all there is. But I've heard other stories of people that have laid out in the church for days on end. Fasting and praying. Seeking God. And God give revival. And great things happen. Yes, yes. People that had jobs. People that had families. People that had commitments. But they said, Pastor, if you want, if you really believe, if we'll get here and fast and pray, then I'll be here every spare minute, every spare hour of the day, and I'll fast and pray. And churches were built on the backs of people that gave their time, their treasure, and they also gave their talent. I remember uh, down the road as Christian Life Center built that big church off of the freeway. I remember going there and seeing some men that I knew that had the trades, uh, skills, and abilities, whether it be carpentry, electricians, uh, plumbers. They were at the church every spare minute of the day using their trade or their talent for the Lord. God has blessed that church. And in this church, there's been folks that have given their time and their talent and their treasure to see this church be what it is today. Amen. Some of you may not know, but before you got here a few months ago, we there was a wall that separated these two rooms. And it kind of compacted the seats in, and it made it really tight and cozy. Uh, and God was blessed in the church, and we were busted the seams, and we, we removed the wall. There were folks that came out here and donated their time and their talent. And their treasure for advancing the kingdom of God. But it takes everyone pulling together, saying, whatever it takes, I'm willing to make that commitment. Whatever it takes, I'm willing to be there. If, if, if you want me to come to church early and pray, Pastor, I'll come to church early and pray. You're not going to have to fight me to, to give. You're not going to have to fight me to do my part. I'm going to give what I have unto the Lord. Amen. The question I want to ask today, uh, does your money, material possessions, and career own you, or is God the king? Does your school own you, or is God king over your school? Amen. Does relationships own you, or is God the one over the relationships? Amen. What is of most value and of most importance in your life? Is it earthly possessions? Is it uh, earthly relationships? Or is it a heavenly relationship that you say, you know what, more than anything else in this life, I value my walk with the Lord more than anything else, more than uh, everything else in this world. He is the most important thing in my life. As one person said, if he's not Lord of all, then he is not Lord at all. Amen. He's got to be Lord over every area of my life. Amen. I want to seek him regarding the decisions that I make on a weekly basis, on a daily basis. God, give me direction. God, give me guidance. Amen. You say, Pastor, do you do that? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am, I do. I get up early in the morning and I pray, God, give me the wisdom today to make the right decisions. God, give me the grace 
as I go through this day, God. I'm asking for your favor. I'm asking for your guidance. I'm committing my ways. I'm submitting myself to the Lord. Matthew 10 and 37 says, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. You've got to say, you know what? I love him more than anything else in this world. He's the most important thing in my life. Jesus told a parable of that treasure in the field. He said, when a person... A man goes and finds treasure to fill. The Bible says that that man goes back to where he lived. He takes everything he has and sells out everything. And he buys the whole field. He realizes the importance of what he has in front of him. He realizes that more important than my my family, more important than my finances, more important than my personal life is the things of God. And he finds that pearl of great price. And he says, I'm willing to to part ways with anything else that would impede me from getting what God has for me. I'm willing to to sever relationships. I'm willing to part ways with things that that previously had a hold on me. And I'm willing to let the world know, let it be known to all the world that he is the most important thing in my life. There has to be somewhere along the road of your life, of your living for God, a moment in time where you determine, you know what? The most important thing is my walk with the Lord. The most important thing is this pearl of great price. The things of God are the most important things in my life. Jesus referenced it as easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter And there's commentators that tell you that this eye of a needle was a reference to a small gate that men would walk through. In other words, you know, call it six or eight feet, seven feet high where a man would walk through. And a camel that, you know, is oftentimes many times taller than a human being. Uh, And and for the camel that was... uh, uh, encumbered with the luggage and the loads that men, that the travelers would put upon the camel, that camel would then be sometimes 10 feet, 12 feet high uh, with all the stuff that they would put on that camel. And for the camel to go through that man gate, the camel had to offload all of the luggage, all the baggage that it could enter into that through that gate. And the Lord makes a reference there to this particular scenario. And there's often times as you're going to walk through a door of opportunity in your life. As God speaks to you, this is a this is a door I want you to walk through. You've got to know, you've got to be able to discern if I'm going to walk through this open door that God has for me, Brother Nate. I've got to take some things off of my life. I've got to set aside some old habits, some old thinking, some some old relationships, some old things, and I've got to I've got to pare down in size. I've got to take off all the things that encumber me. In other words, I've got to lay aside the weights and the sins that easily beset me. There are some things that if 
you're going to go through a door of opportunity in your life, if you're going to accept the authority, the anointing, and the blessing that God has for you, you've got to lay some things down on an altar on a Wednesday night and say, God, I'm not picking that up again. I'm not picking up the old habits again. I'm not going back to my old lifestyle. I'm going to walk through an open door in my life. And I'm going to lay some things down. I'm going to lay some stuff down. And tonight, there's going to be some things God speaks to you to lay down on an altar. And God says, this is something... Brother, no, you got to lay it down. It's not bad, Pastor. It's not bad, Lord. Lay it down. You can't get through that open door that God wants you to go through until you lay it down. It's not bad, Pastor. I don't feel conviction about it. But if you're going to walk into a door of anointing and God's going to use you to teach Bible studies, if God's going to use you to sing on the platform or to play on the platform or to work in Sunday school or to uh, get involved in outreach or drive the butt, drive the van or, or whatever it is. You got to lay some stuff down. God, that stuff's trivial anyways. It doesn't really matter. It's not that important. The most important thing, God, is am I doing the will of God? Yes. Am I involving myself in the mission of God? You see, when you're involved doing, doing things for the Lord and you're involved in the church, and, and God's using you. And you're teaching Bible says, And you're seeing people get the Holy Ghost. And great things are happening. And somebody talks about you. <laughs> you know what? That's, that's not a big deal. I'm, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm focused on what God wants me to do. I'm committed. And someone makes a comment. You know what? Don't worry about that. I ain't got time for that drama. I ain't got time to get involved in gossip and, and backbiting and, and backstabbing. And I got I ain't got time for all those things. I, I've got to I've got to pray right now because I got a Bible study in one hour. I've got to read my Bible because I got a Bible study. I don't have time for the things that the enemy throws my way. I'm going to get involved in what God is doing in 2019. I'm gonna get involved. I'm going to get involved. He says, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. God will enable you and me to do the will of God if we want to. If you say, I want to do the will of God, and you really mean that, and you seek it with all your heart, God won't let you miss his will. If you, if you need answers, if you need direction, you're, you're praying earnestly, you're, you're showing up to church and you're reading your Bible and saying, God, I, I want to do the will of God. It's, it's all that I want, God. I want to please you. And then something pops up and, and, and I, seemingly out of nowhere and, and you say, well, man, I don't know. I better check with my pastor if that one's the right thing to do. And, 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 and you come and talk to me and I say, you know what? No, no, that's not the will of God. And if you really want to do the will of God, you say, well, God's going to bless God's going to bless it through the man of God in my life, yeah. if that's his will. Yeah. And you really have that earnest desire, God, I want to please you. I want to do what's right before the Lord. I've had too many people come and tell me, well, pastor, I'm leaving the church. Pastor, I'm going down the road. I prayed about it, and I feel it's the will of God. But never, never in the course of the event did they, did they ever come and ask me, 
uh, Pastor Camarita, we've been thinking about this. Would you help us pray about it? Uh, would you give us your blessing to go down the road? Amen. And there's many people that they get out of the will of God because they, they didn't truly want to please God and do the will of God. Too many people think that they can do it better than God can. Too many people think that they can do it their own way and not the way that God wants it to be done in their lives. Too many people. Too many people. Before I ever thought about leaving First Church of San Jose, I didn't even dare ask my pastor. I have respect for the ministry. And for my men of God. I said, God, if it's your will for me to leave this church, you're going to speak to my pastor as my man of God. And he's going to tell me it's time. But too many people today say, no, pastor, God spoke to me. I know he didn't speak to you, but he spoke to me. And I got a revelation. Right. I'm stepping out. I'm doing the will of God. And the shepherd that God put over your life didn't bless him. I'm going to tell you, you're out of the will of God. You're out of the will of God. God will enable you to do the will of God if you want to. This is a definition of grace. Grace is not a simplistic definition of just the unmerited favor of God. But grace is the power of God to do the will of God in your life. Grace comes as a result of spirit infilling your life. And we need the Holy Ghost to be at work in our lives and in this church. We don't ever want to come to this house. Amen. I don't ever want to come to a church service like tonight or any other service and never hear somebody speaking in tongues. Amen. If I'm that church and I think I'm an apostolic church and I never hear anybody talking in tongues, I'm going to think, well, man, the Holy Ghost left this church a long time ago. I want to go when the fire's hot. I want to go when people are full of the Holy Ghost. I want to go, amen, where God's pouring out of the Spirit. I am committed, amen, to doing the will of God. I want grace in my life. I'm, gonna, I'm wrapping up here right now. The Lord himself says, in verse 29, Truly I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands. He gets right down to where every one of us are living. We all got family. We all got something in life. And he says, anybody that leaves those things to do the will of God is going to receive a hundredfold reward. In other words, any sacrifice you make to serve the Lord, Sister Natalie, God is going to take note of it. And God never forgets. I believe that there are times in my life still today that God looks back at my young, my youth. And I ask the Lord, Sister Natalie, I tell the Lord in prayer, I say, God, I want you to remember right now those prayers I prayed as a teenager. 
wept and cried. And I said, God, I want to do the will of God no matter what it takes. God, don't ever let me get out of the will of God. I prayed that personality. Remember my prayers. Remember that sacrifice, God. Right now, I need those prayers, God. I'm calling them to remembrance. God never forgets the sacrifices you and I make. And you can remind him. You can remind him. I've told the Lord. I said, God, I don't know what's happened in my life financially. It's kind of a mess. But I want you to remember something, God. I've been paying my tithe. I've never missed a tithe. I've been given in my offerings, God. I haven't been trying to just shortchange and just get by. I've been faithful, God. Remember my sacrifice. God, you said you would, ne- you would not forget it. You said, God, you would not forget it. You would not forsake me. And I'm calling it to remembrance. And Jesus, in his word, says, There is no man that has left all of these things that shall not receive an hundredfold. Another scripture says, Luke's gospel says, manifold more treasures, manifold more blessings. Many times over, a quantity many times greater than normally expected. I've seen God do it for me. I've made sacrifices, and I've thought, God, this is a big one. I got you, Lord. They said, you could not give a Lord. I think I got him here. I gave a bunch of money. What I thought was a bunch of money. Looking back, it was nothing. Because God blessed me. Can I tell you, he blessed me a hundredfold? My, my, little, my little paltry sacrificial offering that I was so huge in the beginning. God, how dare you ask me to give this? I've got a family I'm trying to support and provide for. How dare you ask me? No, no. God, are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Here we go, God. It's my sacrifice. And God says, beautiful. I receive that. I won't forget it. I will never forget that sacrifice. Say, well, I I got homework I got to do on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday night. You know, I, I I got to get up early tomorrow. I got a job to go to. I appreciate Brother Nathan's sacrifice. There are some days Brother Nathan comes here and he's got to go to work at 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. Ridiculous hours sometimes. Has he missed a church service on a Wednesday night? No. God doesn't forget that. God doesn't forget his people. God never forgets. Sacrifices you made since you reign God doesn't forget them. In fact, God's blessed you because of your sacrifices. And we're all testimonies and witnesses of the provision, the providing power of God. There's people on these pews tonight because someone gave. Connected to the giving our souls in this church tonight. Because God doesn't forget your sacrifice. You say, well, you know what? I I got things to do. I got a busy schedule. But I'm going to make it a point to come to church on a Wednesday night. I'm going to get up a little bit early on Sunday morning and I'm going to be in church on Sunday morning. I'm going to bring my family. I'm going to prepare an offering. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to dress up. I'm going to put on my best outfit. Whatever. I'm going to just do my best. And God says, I didn't forget that. I didn't forget that. There's no sacrifice you make that God will not honor and he won't forget.
Why don't we stand to our feet tonight? Can we take a few moments in this house and all across this house? I'd like for us just to lift up our hands. Would you do that with me tonight? Would you simply slip up a hand to the Lord? Would you close your eyes? And would you just talk to him for a few moments? Come on, in your own words, would you just slip up a hand? Would you close your eyes and open up your mouth and just begin to talk to him? Come on, Lord, it's from my heart to your heart tonight, Lord. From me to you, God, you've spoken to me tonight. You're looking for complete, 100% absolute commitment from me, Lord. I'm not going to shift responsibility to somebody else, but I'm going to, Lord, I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm going to commit myself. I'm going to submit myself. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to do the will of God. Come on, I need somebody to lift up their voice in this place tonight and just talk to him. Come on, God's in this house. God's talking to somebody tonight. Would you throw your hands in the air as high as you can and open up your mouth and talk out loud to the Lord. Come on, Jesus. I hear your voice. Jesus, it's not by my good works that I'm getting in, but God, if I'm absolutely 100% engaged and committed to doing the will of God, I can follow you. I can be a disciple. I can experience the joy of salvation. Come on, God's talking to some folks tonight. Come on, there's folks in this house tonight that God wants to use in music ministry, that God wants to use in a teaching ministry, but you haven't given all to Him. There's folks in here tonight that God wants you to win souls, but you got the candle just full of luggage, full of baggage, and God's saying, lay it down, because I want you to walk through an open door, a door of anointing and power. Come on, and God's speaking to somebody tonight. I want you to reach out to Him. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. God, my soul says yes. My soul says yes. My soul says yes. Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm following after you. I'm submitted and I'm committed. I'm on my knees, Lord, and I'm saying yes. 
your prayer tonight, say, empty me.